Pakistan continues to face a number of issues that make operating in the country quite challenging, from high crime rates to a difficult economic situation. What do you need to know if you have workforce in or travelling to the country? And how could the security environment change as Pakistan prepares to hold a general election in February 2024? Hello and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading health and security risk services company. I'm Chris Giles. Well, joining me for this episode is Louise Hogan, International SOS's lead security analyst for Pakistan. And I'll also be speaking to security manager Edward Callow, who's recently returned from his deployment in the country. But first, Louise, let's begin by getting a broad overview of some of the issues facing Pakistan right now. Pakistan continues to face a variety of security issues. Crime rates are very high. The threat posed by terrorism is a significant concern. And the economic situation is very difficult. The political situation is also complex at the moment. There's been a caretaker government in place since August, while elections that were due to take place in November have been pushed back by several months. Having a caretaker government in place has also limited any comprehensive efforts that could try and tackle some of these issues. Now, the frequent political protests that we saw happen in the first half of this year have died down. That's largely due to the detention of opposition leader and former Prime Minister Imran Khan, as well as a crackdown on his PCI party. But another former Prime Minister, Nawaz Sharif, has recently returned from four years of self-imposed exile, and that's ahead of elections that should now take place in February. But the economic situation remains difficult, as I mentioned. A revived IMF deal has staved off the threat of economic default for now, But cost-cutting measures implemented as part of that agreement have prompted protests and strikes across the country that have been quite disruptive. And these economic difficulties also mean that crime rates continue to rise in cities across the country. So all these factors make operating in-country quite challenging. Okay, thanks very much, Louise. And we'll come back to you later in the podcast for your outlook for the future. But right now, let's bring in Edward Callow, our security manager, who's recently returned from Pakistan. And Ed, tell me, what were you able to do as part of your visit? Yeah, so the key aim was to assess the security environment in several cities. So I managed to get to Karachi, Lahore, and the capital Islamabad. The primary objectives were to reassess and add a number of secure hotels that we can recommend to our clients, to reaffirm our relationships with our security partners in country, further broaden our information network and to prepare evacuation plans to take into account a number of scenarios that could um, potentially unfold in country. So my day-to-day in Pakistan was moving around cities, conducting route assessments. So with that, that means traveling along key routes in Karachi, for example, that would refer to like the main airport road connecting Jinnah International Airport with the city centre. It would then involve going to hotels, meeting with security managers, conducting site assessments and addressing their day-to-day operations and reviewing their standard operating procedures, which would refer to how they react to a, to a security incident. And also to visit areas and cities where we know that we have client exposure. So Ed, Tell me about the current security environment in the country and what you were able to observe. What are some of the key things that our clients and their workforce should be aware of right now? Before an organisation decides to deploy their workforce in country, there's a few factors that they need to be aware of. The first is, is, is crime. Now, crime in Pakistan is 
pervasive. It does vary from city to city. So, for example, in Karachi, the the, the threat is more acute. Um, it is less so in Islamabad, but the threat still exists. Social unrest is a very common occurrence, again, across the country. It afflicts most major urban centres. This is driven by political developments, the underperforming economy. There can sometimes be uh, tensions between communities in certain cities as well. And this can either cause quite a lot of disruption in cities, or there can sometimes be, if protests become unruly, there can be a direct threat to staff too. There's also a threat posed by militancy in the country as well. Again, it varies depending on location. So in Karachi, for example, arguably the the prominent risk is posed by uh, separatist groups um, based in Baluchistan, which is in close proximity to Karachi. In other cities, the threat is most likely posed by Tariki Taliban, which is otherwise known as the TTP. So with those threats in mind, what organisations need to be aware of is safeguarding their workforce when they are travelling overland between work sites or between offices or between the airport to their hotel. Secondly, they also need to be very sure that that the hotel that they're using in a respective city is of a sufficient standard. And what are some of the risks then? Is travel fairly safe in the country? Again, it depends on the city and what the trip planned is. So, for example, in Karachi, a security partner will decide on the vehicle configuration that's needed for a certain move and your itinerary. So if you are simply doing a move from the airport to central Karachi, to a hotel or a work site, for example, it may be that one vehicle with a driver and a close protection officer is sufficient. Like, for example, international SOS will always take into account the activities that you're planning on doing, your itinerary and the profile of the staff member as well. However, there are other areas of Karachi where there are more prominent crime threats or more prominent social unrest threats. With that, we will then adjust our recommendations accordingly. So, for example, if there's a trip planned to the Sindh Industrial Estate, we would then need to enhance those measures. And that would equate to having two vehicles, for example, one as a reconnaissance vehicle or as a support vehicle. For longer trips overland, again, we'd have to take that all into consideration. There are areas of Pakistan, like outside of Karachi and like rural Sindh province, for example, where we would need to do a route assessment and then we would have to judge accordingly. In Islamabad, the threat is a little bit lower. And again, we take that all into consideration and it could be deemed safe, but we always need to take those security measures into account to ensure that they are bespoke and assessed according to what your planned activities are. So how's the deteriorating economic situation affected things like the crime rates in Pakistan? So let's use Karachi as a case study. Crime has been pronounced over the past several years, but it is becoming more acute. And this translates to mean that Carjackings are common, smash and grabs are common, the use of firearms is becoming more common. So the threat is really more pronounced if you are idling congestion, for example. Now, the threat does seem to be posed more towards local nationals on the street. For example, if people are walking around in Karachi, there can be muggings that are in a commonplace. And this is why we always recommend to have the use of a security partner to conduct your overland movement. So, for example, if you have a low profile sports utility vehicle is your vehicle. It's driven by a defensively trained driver. You also have a close protection officer. And the aim here is to make you a harder target to a would-be assailant. So if there are vehicles that are idle in congestion, that perpetrator can see that this is going to be a harder target for them to attack and be successful. Hopefully that will deter them or they'll focus on another target. And with regards to advice for clients and their workforce, you mentioned that it wasn't necessarily 
safe to be able to move around on foot. That's quite right. In Karachi, we, we wouldn't recommend for any foot travel to be attempted at any time. And that's including if you are escorted by someone. Again, that's just due to the acute levels of street crime. On a case-by-case basis, depending on the location, foot travel may be permissible. In a city like Lahore, for example, in the historic centre, I'm sure if people are there on business, they might want to take some time to go and visit the sites. But even then, caution has to be observed. And we'd only recommend that if you have the company of a courage protection officer to, to guide you. And equally so for Islamabad. But the general rule is to use vehicular transport provided by a security partner at all times. And Ed, if you're travelling around to several locations, when's the best time to conduct your journeys? So arriving in Pakistan and when departing from Pakistan, we always advise doing that during daylight hours. We would also advise our clients to have flexible itineraries and also to be realistic with your itineraries as well to ensure that you complete all of your tasks, whichever location you might be, during daylight hours. And this is why it's actually quite valuable to have a close protection officer. The traditional understanding of a close protection officer is that they're usually there to effectively safeguard your well-being and to take certain actions if a security incident arises. But they are also incredibly helpful helping you adapt your itineraries to make them more achievable. So for me, for example, when I was planning for my trip to Karachi, you know, I was allocating a lot of time to get to certain work sites. On presenting this to my employer's protection officer, he noted that it could be rearranged to make my use of time much more efficient. They're also there to help you engage with local contacts. They're also there to help you seamlessly pass any security checkpoints that you may come across, which are, are quite common in Karachi, Islamabad and Lahore. And they will ensure that you complete your all your daily tasks within daylight hours. How should clients preparing for a deployment to Pakistan be able to take advantage of the help that international OSWS can give them? I mean, it's quite clear that Pakistan is a very complex country from a security perspective. So with that in mind, I'd always urge clients to contact us directly. And that can be either via phone or email prior to each deployment or if you have staff already in country. And that's so we can provide you with timely and relevant guidance. So each assessment is bespoke depending on the locations to be visited, activities to be carried out, the profile of any individual or deploying party and the time of year. And I'd also urge clients to wherever they can to give us as much detail as possible. So precise locations to be visited, the experience of travellers going, the profile of staff members, the length of deployment that you have in mind, the itinerary and any planned activities. And this will allow us to determine the correct measures to implement to mitigate against the principal threats that I that I mentioned earlier. Of course, clients should always continue to monitor the alerts that are issued from our information analysis team just so they can keep abreast of any developments in country. Okay, thanks, Ed. So returning now to our lead security analyst for Pakistan, Louise Hogan. And Louise, I wanted to ask you, if we look ahead, what can clients expect to see from the security environment in Pakistan over the coming months? The upcoming election period will be a key security concern in the coming months. General elections should be held on the 8th of February, and election periods in Pakistan are always a tumultuous time. There's increased security risks that stem from large-scale rallies being held, There's also the potential for incidents of political violence around campaigning time, but also in and around election results and political gatherings such as election rallies or even polling stations. They do pose attractive targets for terrorist groups. And these elections are taking place at a time when Pakistan is battling a heightened terror threat. So that's a very significant concern. Additionally, the economic situation will remain extremely challenging and that will continue to fuel crime rates in the coming months. 
We're also likely to see more economic related protests in major cities, particularly in relation to any further cost cutting measures that might be implemented by the government. Increases in energy prices has really been a significant issue driving protests in recent months, and we expect that trend to continue. And Louise, you mentioned the heightened terror threat. So what's your assessment of the risk that that poses to anyone traveling to Pakistan? The majority of terrorist attacks do occur in parts of Balochistan and Khyber Pakhtunkhwa provinces. So these are areas that we assess to be extreme risk environments. These attacks are also heavily focused on security force and military targets. But we have seen civilian sites also targeted, uh, including religious gatherings. And just in recent days, there's been a spate of attacks on vehicle convoys and camps that belong to oil and gas companies operating in some of these areas. So. While there has been significantly less incidents happening in major cities and other parts of the country, like Islamabad, for instance, the threat remains high. Groups like the TTP, that's the Pakistani Taliban, and also Islamic State Khorasan, they have strong capabilities to conduct attacks across the country. Currently, they have a stronger presence in areas that are close to the border with Afghanistan, but we know they have the capability to operate elsewhere. And the TTP's focus has been on security force targets, as I mentioned, rather than civilian sites. But that's a strategic decision by their central leadership, and that could change at any time. We've also seen that splinter groups and groups that we believe are front groups for the TTP have claimed credit for attacks on civilian sites. And further attacks like those could occur in other parts of the country, in particular around the election period. OK, Louise and Ed. Thanks so much for your insights and analysis of the situation in Pakistan right now. Thank you very much. Uh, You're very welcome. Thanks very much, Bruce. Well, that's all for now. But just a reminder that you can access all the latest information and updates on Pakistan from our website at internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out about our global network of assistance centres. They're available to clients 24-7. But until next time... Thanks very much for listening and goodbye.